Let me ask you to take your let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. By virtue of our unity with Christ, we have been freed from the tyranny of man made extra biblical rules. The false teachers <coughs> were regulating who who had a right standing before Christ based on what they did or what they didn't do according to the list of rules that the false teachers had had made up. And these teachers claimed to be the final arbiters of godliness. And so at the end of chapter 2, Paul essentially says, don't let them defraud you. Don't let them disqualify you. No matter how self-depriving, how much self-discipline they have, no matter how spiritual they look, if their rules are not grounded in Scripture, and if in fact they're opposed to Scripture, then we Christians are not obligated to obey them. That is, as a measurement for spiritual standing before God. You see, false teachers don't have that measuring stick for godliness when it comes to their extra-biblical rules. You know, what kind of meat they ought to eat, what kind of uh, things they ought to do. Those are not the measures for, for godliness. You see, we now are free to follow Christ in obedience because He is supreme over all and all-sufficient for what we need. And so while these teachers claim to have the answer to conquering sins, you know, just follow our list of rules, the end of chapter 2 taught us that, that their, their list, even though it was full of self-discipline, was based on man-made commands and has no power over the compulsion of sin. And so we have to ask the question, what does have the power over sin's compulsion? How is it that we're going to be freed from this body of sin? How are we going to be released from, from the, the burden or the, the pull towards sin? And the answer is in chapter 3. And the first part of that answer comes in the text that we're going to look at. We must first have our focus in the right place, verses 1 through 4. Second, we need to put off the deeds of the flesh, verses 5 through 11. And then third, we need to put on acts of righteousness, verses 12 to 17. So we need to focus on Christ, we need to put off the deeds of the flesh, and put on acts of righteousness. Today, we're going to focus on the first one that we must focus on Christ, the risen Christ. And that really serves as the foundation for the next two, which is to put off the deeds of the flesh. If we're really united to Christ with His purposes and His desires, then we're going to want to put off those deeds of the flesh and we're going to want to put on acts of righteousness, which we'll look at over the next couple of weeks. So follow along in your Bible as I read, beginning in verse 1. This is the Word of God. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. 
we have been united with Christ. So having been united with Christ, we must fix our gaze on the exalted Christ. Having been united with Christ, we must fix our gaze on the risen and exalted Christ. Christ is the object of our focus. The answer to spiritual maturity and and a relationship that is pleasing to God is not man-made rules. It's not supernatural visions as they claim to have. So what is the answer? Notice the first word of the text. It's therefore. So the false teachers and their visions cannot fulfill the spiritual longing that we have to be right with God. And they are not the answer. Therefore, here's what we ought to do. It's not about the list of rules. Again, the example I I used was uh, a couple weeks ago was uh, what would Jesus eat? The book. Right? Let's discover all the things that Jesus ate during the time that He was on the earth and that must be the answer to, to how we must eat today. And, and that's not it. Okay? Those types of things where, where people just kind of draw out ideas just from, from wherever are not the answer to us being spiritual, us being mature. The answer is here in verse 1. We must look to Christ. Christ has been raised, and so we must seek the things which are above. The main point of this text is found in two commands that that effectively are the same command. They make the same point. What are the two commands? The first I already mentioned, seek the things above in verse 2. Can you find the second command? Keep seeking the things above. And then verse 2, what's the second command? Set your mind on things above. Sounds very similar. There's a little bit of a nuance there, so we'll talk about that when we get there. So that's the main command. Put your focus on Christ. And then the basis or the ground for the command is found in verses 3 and 4, that we are united with Christ. So let's look at this first one. Sorry about that formatting problem. First, set your affections on the the risen and exalted Christ. Set your affections on the risen Christ. Verse 1. Notice what the text says. If you have been raised up with Christ, we'll come back to that idea. Here's the command. Keep seeking the things above. Well, what things above ought we to be seeking? Now, the answer is clarified in the next part of the verse. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Seek the things that are in keeping with where Christ resides. Christ has died, but He didn't stay dead. He is not still dead. He is risen and He is exalted to a place of preeminence. And that's where our gaze and affections must be. Seek the things that are where Christ is. And the reality that we've been seeing in this book is that we have been united with Christ in His death. Look up to chapter 2, verse 20. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees? The point is, is you have died with Christ. Since you have died with Christ, why do you keep giving yourselves in to the sins of this world, the elementary principles of the world? The point is that we have been united with Christ in His death. But here, Paul goes one step further and says that we have been united with Christ in His resurrection. 
if you have been raised up with Christ. And we have. We have been united with Christ in His death. And here in chapter 3, verse 1, we've been united with Christ in His resurrection. And therefore, we must seek the things that are in keeping with our union with Him. We must have our focus and affections where Christ is. This is different from what the false teachers were calling for. They were calling for the congregation to seek things above higher visions and worship of angels. But Paul says, yes, our focus should be on things above, but not on the visions, visions and angels, but rather on the risen and exalted Christ. He is risen and, notice at the end of verse 1, He is exalted, seated at the right hand of God. So set your affections on the exalted Christ. The right hand of God, as you know, is, is a position of power. There's no higher position of honor, rule, and authority in all of the universe. God had promised in Psalm 110, verse 1, that He would make David's descendant to sit at His right hand. He said, sit at My right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And that's where Christ is right now. He's sitting at God's right hand. He has conquered sin and death by virtue of His death and His resurrection, and He has exalted to the highest position of authority the right hand of God. And therefore, since He is Lord of all, He demands and deserves our greatest affection. He deserves that our attention, our focus be on Him. We would say it the same way as Jesus commanded His disciples in Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of of God first and His righteousness. This is what Paul's telling us here in Colossians 3. Set your affections on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He is the risen Christ. He is the exalted Christ. And so we must set our affections on Him. Second command found in verse 2, and that is that we should dwell on Christ and His glory dwell on Christ and His glory. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. The second command is really, as I mentioned earlier, a restatement or a clarification of the first command. And it takes our responsibility one step further. We don't simply seek heavenly things. We don't just search them out, but we, we put our minds on them and we keep our minds there. So it's not just about seeking, but it's about putting our minds there and causing our minds to dwell there where Christ is. Well, what, what does that mean? I mean, how do we dwell on the risen Christ? Are we just supposed to imagine, imagine Him sitting on a throne? Or are we supposed to imagine what heaven looks like? Well, the end of the verse, verse 2, tells us what it, what it is not. What does a Christ word focus not look like? And that is, setting our affections on earthly things. The reality is that earthly things can monopolize our thoughts. We can go a whole day or many days without thinking about anything except for earthly things. We can put all of our attention and affection on things that are passing away and what Paul is saying is do the opposite of that. Focus on heavenly things. 
Focus on Christ's rule over all things. That He has won the victory. That He's sitting down. Hebrews talks about the, the importance of that idea. That He's sitting down within the throne room of God. Reflect on Christ. Who He is. What He has done. What He's doing. What He's going to do. That's where our affections ought to be. So dwell on Christ in His glory. The basis of our focus is found in verses 3 and 4. And there's a singular basis of our, of our focus or a foundation. So why should we set our affections on the things that are above? Why should we set our affections on the risen and exalted Christ? It's really one foundation that has three aspects. And the basis of our focus is that we are united with Christ in three ways. First, in His death. Notice the first word of verse 3 that connects these commands in verses 1 and 2 to the basis for the commands. So first we're told what to do, verses 1 and 2, and then we're told why we ought to do it. Verse 3, for, or because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So here's the first reason why we ought to set our affections on the risen and exalted Christ. It's because we are united with Christ in His death. You have died, the text said. Verse Chapter 2, verse 20, we read earlier, you have died. By virtue of our union with Christ, by virtue of our salvation, we have been united with Christ in His death. When Christ died, we positionally died with Him. So that we no longer are bound to this earth and its powers over the flesh. Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's why the end of the verse says that your life is hidden with Christ in God. We are united with Christ in His death. We have an anchor for our soul that's in the very throne room of heaven, which is why we can go to God in prayer. And therefore, we can obey these commands in verses 1 and 2, or we should want to. Because we're united with Christ, who now resides in heaven, in the throne room of God, then that's where our affections ought to be. To go back to verses 1 and 2. Our identity is not in our job. Our identity is not in our family. Our identity is not in our favorite form of recreation. Our identity is sealed up in our relationship with Christ. And so all those other things that are going on in life ought to be subservient to our primary focus, the primary place where our attention deserves. We are united with Christ in His death. When He died, we died to sin. But we're not only united with Christ in His death, secondly, we're, not, we're united with Christ in His resurrection. And for this, we need to go back up to verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ. When we came to salvation in Christ, we were, we were not only made dead to sin, as pictured in baptism, but we were also made alive to righteousness. We, we now have a new life with Christ. We don't have to seek heavenly visions like the false teachers did in Colossae. We don't have to use man-made extra-biblical rules as a measuring stick for our godliness. 
We have new life in Christ. We have the standard that God expects of us. We have new life in Christ. We are united with Him. So it makes sense that our affection should be there. It makes sense that we should be seeking the things that are above because we're united with Him. We don't belong here, ultimately. We belong with Christ. So first, when Christ died, we died with Him. When Christ was raised to life, we were raised to life with Him. And then you can probably guess the third one, which is found in verse 4. And that is that we are united with Christ in His future glory. We are united with Christ in His future glory. That is, when Christ appears, we will appear with Him. We will appear with Him. Look at verse 4 with me again. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. As a Christian, you know where your life is going. Right now, Christ is in heaven at the right hand of God. But one day, He will appear for all to see. And when He appears, we will appear with Him in glory. In other words, we will have been transformed. Right now, we are currently being transformed into the image of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But one day, we will be fully transformed. One day, we will be glorified. 1 John 3.2 says, Beloved, we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. When Christ appears, we will appear with Him in glory. We are united to Christ in His death, in His resurrection, and His future glory. And so that's where our affections ought to be, where Christ is. Seek the things that are above. Set your affections on the things that are above. Not on the things that are on the earth. So let me apply this for us here in two ways. Number one, remember the reason that you can approach God. Remember the reason that you can approach God. The basis of our approaching God is not our human effort. Our human effort. Rather, it's based on what God has done for us in Christ. It's based on our unity with Christ. Notice the passive voice in this text. Verse 2. Um, sorry, verse 3. You have died. Verse 1. If you have been raised. And then verse 4. You will appear. All those things are something that's going to happen to you or have happened to you. Something that God is doing on your behalf. It's passive on our part. God has united us with Christ. And so, we need to remember on what basis we can approach God. It's not on our human effort. We cannot miss this basic point that we are often reminded of in the Scriptures and that, it, that I think the Holy Spirit is reminding us of today. And that is that we are not the reason that God accepts us into His presence. Our checklist of rules that we have made is not the reason that God accepts us into His presence. Our relationship with God, our ability to approach God is based on our relationship with Christ. The only reason that we can stand 
before the throne of God. The only reason that we can come into His presence, both now and forevermore, is because of Christ, because of our unity with Christ. No high priest could do so without a sacrifice. And yet we can because we have the finished work of Christ that has been applied to our account. We have died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. And we will appear with Christ. Because our approaching God is based on our relationship with Christ, which was initiated and established and is being kept by God, then here's our responsibility. Because we might think, well, we are united with Christ, so what more do I need to do? And the answer is in verses 1 and 2. There's commands there, right? We have to do something. We need to live in light of the fact that God has united with us with Christ. And that means that we are united with Christ must make Christ's interests our interests. You must make Christ's interests your interests. Make Christ's priorities your priorities. If you have been raised with Christ, then you have no business seeking the things of the earth as the sole reason for living. You have no business finding your greatest satisfaction in the source of your, uh, in, in, in your family or in your job or something like that. Instead, your focus ought to constantly be on heavenly things and recognizing that the only reason that you exist is for God's glory. Make Christ's interest your interest. This does not mean that you become a monk. You know, one extreme is we think, well... If I've got to make Christ's interest my interest, then I guess I've got to give up on my marriage and fix my attention on the heavenly things. Or I'm going to give up eating. No. The Scriptures teach us to be merry to the glory of God. Eat to the glory of God. Do your job to the glory of God. Grow your garden to the glory of God. Enjoy your hobby to the glory of God. Don't give up everything that God has given us richly to enjoy. Instead, balance your life and everything that you are engaged in by balancing your priorities. Make the driving force and motivation for all of your activity on this earth Christ. And whatever His interests are, as it relates to my marriage, whatever His interests are, as it relates to my job, my hobby, whatever His interests are, those are my interests. That's what I want to see happen. So the one extreme is to be a monk and just kind of, I've got to get away from everything that's pleasurable in this life. And I think that would be unbiblical. The other extreme is to enjoy all the things on the earth that God has given to the exclusion of Christ. And I think for us that may be a greater temptation than giving it all up and becoming a monk. I think that this temptation over here of, of enjoying all these things and forgetting that Christ is first place, that Christ is my Lord, that I am united with Christ and my affections ought to be in heaven, not on the things on this earth. And we forget that our identity is wrapped up in our relationship with Christ. We get our gaze off of the risen and exalted Christ and we have our, our gaze downward. We seek the things that are on the earth. We set our, our minds on things that are passing away. 
and when sin disappoints, instead of turning away from it and being restored to Christ, we double down on the passing pleasures of sin and, and think, well, you know what? Maybe if I just do it a little bit more, a little bit harder, maybe that will bring lasting satisfaction. Instead, what we find is that the sin that disappointed at the beginning buries us deeper and deeper in the consequences and the disappointment of the greater sin. Christian, your identity is in Christ. So fix your gaze on Him. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Christ is Lord of heaven and earth. He is sitting at the place of preeminence, honor, power, authority, glory. And our lives are bound up in Him. So let's live our lives this week and for the rest of our days in such a way that reflect that we understand that our identity is with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for Your power and glory. Thankful for Your creative ability bringing all things into existence through the Word of Your power. Thankful that You have chosen to make us a part of Your purposes. And Lord, we, we believe that this passage is true and necessary for us. And Lord, we want to get better at setting our affections on things above. Certainly, we have done this. When we came to Christ, we submitted ourselves to You and, and throughout our Christian lives, You have continually brought us into conformity to Your will. And yet, there are still pockets of resistance within us. There are times when we stray and, and where we get too caught up on things that are passing away. Lord, we don't want to minimize those things. We will acknowledge those as what they are. They're idols that are taking your place. And so, Lord, renew our focus today. Recalibrate our attention to where it ought to be. In heaven where Christ is, seated at your right hand. He is the ruler and authority over all. And that's where our identity is bound up. And so, Lord, help us to to um, enjoy the things of this life, but, but to enjoy them in relationship to Christ's interests. Help us to make our interests His, or to make His interests ours, I should say. Lord, we, we want to submit ourselves to You and to His authority, so use Your Spirit to, to shape us today, to show us where we need to change. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.